Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and this week I'm delighted to have with me fifth gear presenter, podcaster, YouTuber and racing driver Vicky Butler-Henderson. Good afternoon, Vicky. Good afternoon to you. We'll talk a little bit about um, some Alfa related things later on, but I just wanted to, to start off talking about your career. Um, there's a kind of family inevitability about where you ended up isn't there <laughs> I always say that if my parents had been into golf I would have led a very very different life but fortunately for me my father was in the British karting team when he was a teenager and his father before him had also done some racing in a Fraser Nash um, most notably at Brooklands racing circuit and I just think he Oh, and everyone of, of that era was such a hero because they were going around Brooklands at terrific speeds with potentially a leather bit of, you know, bit of a leather hat on and, um, and being so close to the trees and, and yeah. very, very little safety gear. Anyway, so my father, um, he's also a farmer. And he had his old cart chassis sort of tucked away in the back of a barn somewhere. And I sniffed it out and dad put a lawnmower engine on it. And I just used to go up and down the farm lane. And eventually I was like, do you know what, dad, this, I really enjoy this. Can we try proper, proper racing? And then that's when it all started. So I had my first cart race when I was 12 years old. And your brother raced as well. So did, did he copy you if you found the cart? Yes. So he's a bit younger than me. So I remember right. sort of teaching him as well how to drive and how to steer, driving anything we could get our hands on, a van, a tractor, anything, you know, and stubble fields in summertime are perfect, perfect <laughs> testing grounds. There's been been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about things like the W Series and whether that should be necessary and, and the role it plays. How hard was it coming up through racing in, in what was, I guess, then even more so a man's world? It's I'm really glad you brought that point up and I want to talk about the W Series and women in general. But when I was racing, it didn't occur to me that I was a girl. It absolutely did not matter. I put my helmet on. I was just another person on a grid and I've always believe that um, sadly though about two percent of girls were racing when I was racing age 12 and the numbers are still pretty small so but going you know thinking about a W series which is the the all woman racing series I mean fundamentally I think motorsport is fantastic because like horse racing we women compete against men in on equal terms and I absolutely love that fact and that is is should never ever change. However, the W series is kind of like, it gives women a safety net. And in a way I wish it had been around when I was forced to leave motorsport because I couldn't fund another year of it. And if W series had been around then I would definitely have fallen into their catchment and where they give women free racing for a year so in that respect it would have prolonged my racing you know my, my racing ambition and potentially if I'd have done W series for a year the next year I might have been able to you know get funding to then progress to my dream which was to race in Formula One. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a shame that it has to be there but a good thing that it is. Yeah exactly yeah because fundamentally women Every woman I know wants wants to race full stop, and the world we know is racing against men. 
So the, the racing career ended, but you didn't um, you didn't stop driving professionally at that point. No, exactly. Well, my racing dream finished. I still race and I still have a competition license today and I'll do one or two races a year, which is great. And just for a bit of fun. Um, but my my love of cars it drew me then onto car magazines. And I was just very fortunate to manage to combine my, I, I always loved writing when I was at school and I did English A-level and thought one day I'd love to be a writer. And then that one day came quite quickly having a conversation with, with somebody at a publishing house. And very quickly, I got a job as an editorial assistant on Car Mechanics magazine, which was part of the big EMAP empire, which it was known then. And they had all sorts of magazines, you know, performance cars, street machine, um, practical classics, which I eventually was a staff writer on for a year on that. And we launched Max Power magazine as well, which was a huge modified car mag in the 90s. Yes, yeah, very much a magazine of the 90s, wasn't it, Max Power? It, yeah, it was definitely. I was, was that good it, fun? Oh, my gosh, we had such a laugh. So there were two of us, myself and a guy called Graham Steed, who was the launch editor, and he and I worked away in an office for about six to eight months, something like that, just, just coming up with the content for the first magazine. And then eventually we, we launched and then I stayed on the magazine as staff writer for one year. And then when I left, then, then it, it turned into a slightly different magazine. <laughs> <laughs> because you weren't there to constrain it, it anymore. Probably. <laughs> yeah but then after max power magazine i then got my my dream job which was to be a road tester so i was a road tester on on one of emaps uh, weekly car magazines then so it it worked it worked well and how how long was it before you made the move into television so i think i had after the after being a road tester on this car magazine i then was, became a road tester at auto express magazine and then became uh, road tester and news editor at Whatcar magazine and it was during my time at Whatcar so in my mid-20s that I got a call and just said you know could you would you be interested in in doing a tv item for Top Gear so I was said yes you've clearly hit the bottom of the barrel you've scraped hard <laughs> and here I am <laughs> so uh, so I did and the first item I did for Top Gear was a race which was very fitting and it was in the Slick 50 Racing Championship I drove a, a Mark II Golf GTI and raced that and spoke about it and had an utter ball and they asked me back. Yeah. Um, so was that a, a one-off or was that the start of a permanent gig on Top Gear? It sort of it was the start of a semi-permanent gig, I would say, because I still had a, a job, you know, I was still writing and, and working on, on various magazines. But the more I became employed by Top Gear to do films, the, the less time I had to, to focus on the main job of, of being a journalist. So I went freelance in the end and have not worked in an office based environment since you know sort of my late 20s really which was sad because I do I really miss office banter and I know everybody will you know we've all suffered from not being in an office and and being around banter but that that's the one thing that I do miss it's just camaraderie really and mickey taking <laughs> yeah and and how long did the the top gear thing last before top gear was fundamentally shaken up and so I think I did about four years on Top Gear and then there was a woman at the head of BBC Two who wasn't a fan of cars and said, right, that's it, no more Top Gear. So Channel 5 then called the, the people who were still doing 
Top Gear because by that time Jeremy Clarkson had left, he was doing a chat show. So Channel 5 employed the likes of me, Quentin Wilson, Tiffany Dell. So we all went to Channel 5 to make Fifth Gear, which is still running. It sort of has a little rest now and again, just to, you know, pack its bag and refresh. <laughs> but hopefully we will be filming again later on in the year. And that's been going now for 20 years, something like that, which is ridiculous. And then a couple of years after we had done Fifth Gear, then Top Gear came back again in the the three-man format that we all know it now and they had a little bit of banter between the the two crews at one point didn't they i think they blamed you for burning down a yes that's right a barn or something yes. well, not you personally no, no, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but you know, i mean you you know that the car industry whatever industry you're in is always quite small and somebody will always know someone or whether you're in the printing industry or you know the art world so you all everyone knows everyone so mickey taking is is great and we love it <laughs> well, it's good good to hear it was coming back because i think it was back end of two, 2019 wasn't it the last episode of, of fifth gear so. yes yeah we've done some stuff on the youtube channel for fifth gear in the meantime but yeah we um fits and starts so we're never we're never fully hanging up our boots on that one and any highlights in the the 20 years at fifth gear i think yes i, I drove a porsche boxster on an airfield and I was racing a Breitling jet and I had to take off at a certain point. We, we were in walkie talkie contact with the pilot and he came over. And as he came over my head, I had the the uh, the roof down on my car. Honestly, if I'd have put my, my hand up, I would have been able to touch the bottom <laughs> of his jet. I mean, just breathtaking, the noise, the sounds, stuff like that was thrilling. Really, that was that was amazing. Meeting loads of people. Off-roading is not my forte, shall we say. So the boys, uh, Jason Plato and Tiffany Dell, have always loved having a giggle with me when I go off-roading. But it's, I think it's because when the car, when I'm going really slowly and I'm going up a hill and it's not quite got the momentum to get me up there and I know I'm going to have to slug it back down in reverse, things like that I don't appreciate off-road. But if you add some speed, add a jump, then I'm all over it. So <laughs> anything to do with off-roading and, and the boys laughing, yeah, that's been a highlight too. And, and in the gap between, you've started your own YouTube channel. I have, yes. I mean, as if I've not got enough on my plate with two children <laughs> and lots of writing and podcasts and stuff like that. So I've started a YouTube channel very recently and it's called The Car Girl, Vicky Butler Henderson. I mean, I literally couldn't come up with any more words, really. <laughs> and so far we've had uh, a track test of a Ferrari FH Tributo. So that was... So two of my launch films. Then I've done a Toyota Yaris, GR Yaris little hot hatch, and then a Ford Mustang Mach-E. And I've got all sorts of lovely, wonderful things forthcoming. Lamborghinis, Ford Ranger Raptor trucks, you know, good, honest cars and some luxury super ones as well. And there's a huge amount of, of content on YouTube about cars, um, mm -hmm. of... of Let's say variable quality. Is there a particular niche you're aiming for? I just wanted to be able to share my passion and for cars and also to be able to bring together all my, you know, road testing and, and car journalism that I've 
accrued over the years and just give people good honest advice on on about a car but take them on an entertaining journey as well so it's just and and also the fact that i don't have to play second fiddle when great cars come out that you know tiff nadell might get now i've got the opportunity <laughs> to get them for myself <laughs> yeah so yeah just just good honest fun and and some great cars and some lovely you know, we, I'm trying to make it as, as lovely and beautiful to look at as well. Just looking back at some of your your previous uh, tests and things on YouTube, uh, one that particularly stood out to me for, for obvious reasons was your um, fifth gear test of the, the Alpha 4C. Yeah. And I think that the press had a, a mixed reaction to the, to the 4C and you did have a little bit of an edge to your conclusion, but it did look like you had a hoot. Oh, it was... A great car on great roads in Wales, just having an utter blast. But I think I'm right. You've obviously watched it more recently than I have. So I think I'm right in saying at the end that I found it quite, it was quite a hard car to deal with every day. So maybe, maybe, I th well, I think I, I'll stand by what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and I have spoken to, to owners of the car and they have agreed with me to a certain extent, but they also say, you know what, we, we love it anyway and the, that's that's absolutely what should happen when yeah. you buy a car you fall in love with everything every single thing about it including its foibles i did an interview a couple of years ago with a, a paralympic cyclist yeah uh, multiple world champion who had a 4c and it was his only car oh wow he, he used to go shopping in it he used to take his bikes to the velodrome in manchester from from cheshire brilliant. on the back on the back oh of the my 4C. god i'd love to have seen that <laughs> that's brilliant so uh, another, uh, I guess, alpha highlight for the club, if it, uh, it'd be interesting to see whether it was for you too, uh, was our 10th anniversary event at, um, at Kerbera for the Mito. How did that come about? So lovely. I had a phone call said, would you like to come along? And I said, yes, please, because it involved the cutest cars, wonderful people, which I, I it, you know, came to fruition and on a track, little Kerbera which was the perfect pocket size track for, for the car. So that was just lovely and fun. And do you know what? I love meeting people from the Alpha Club because they have something that I love and that's passion. And they all adore their, their cars and they have different stories as to you know how that Alpha came into their life and what it means to them. I just love it. And I managed to, to go uh, in a couple of cars actually and take them around the circuit I did ask permission to go you know <laughs> a bit heavy on the right foot <laughs> before I did it <laughs> yes, uh, including a diesel I seem to remember in, indeed well that's do you know what I honestly I'll get in anything and give it a go totally <laughs> brilliant uh, and in terms of national alpha day do you know what's um what you've got in store so far lots of hijinks Good, good fun, and hopefully meeting meeting lots of people, which I really would I can't I can't wait to do because this will be perhaps one of the first you know events like this that I have been to in well over a year. So I was at the Goodwood Speed Week at, towards the end of last year, and that was of course closed to the public. So that was a very sort of a very different atmosphere. So I'm very much looking forward just to some jollity seeing some lovely cars, talking to some super people. One of the things that um, I've been involved in since the start of lockdown, really, um, has been sim racing. Yes. Um, and we have a we have a truck, well, 
large van, I think, um, <laughs> with with eight sim races in it that we'll we'll have at National Alpha Day. Any chance we can get in there to see how you compare against some Defo. of our members? And I will tell you right now, I am useless on those things. <laughs> so I'd much rather have a have a real machine under me, but I am right up for that, and I'll definitely set a very poor time that everybody can beat. So this is the voice of the Sony PlayStation Gran Turismo, whatever it was, edition. Prologue, indeed. Prologue, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my uh, skills on a computer are not... Well, we'll see, eh? We'll see. Have you ever owned an Alpha? I've never owned an Alpha. No, I haven't. I've driven many. There's the SZ, the RZ... 156 GTA, 147 GTA. I had to write them down. I've driven so many. <laughs> <laughs> the Stelvio 8, 8C. But I have great fond memories of a 164 hooning through Milton Keynes. A Q4 or just a, a regular one? Just a regular one. Yeah, just a regular one. Just enjoying the chassis through roundabouts onto a straight, around another roundabout, onto another straight. <laughs> I, I had a 147 GTA, which was actually a result of going going to the dealer to buy a 156 diesel sport wagon. Yeah. On the day that they got the 147 GTA in oh. de- demonstrator, and he said, "Would you like to have a play before you sign the paperwork?" Wow. For the so I came back and said, "Okay, I'll have that one." Did you really? That's amazing. What a great story. It, it wasn't a particularly sensible decision, given oh. that at the point at that point I had two kids who were both um, both racing bikes. So the, uh, the sport wagon was a much more sensible yeah. choice, but the GTA was just... Oh, couldn't resist it. No. Brilliant. We also had a... Talking of Channel 5, um, and we were some time ago. Indeed. Um, we had a, a, an interesting SZ connection with Channel 5. I got an email from John Bentley Ooh. probably about three years ago now. Yeah. Who has regularly appeared on the Gadget Show wearing a, an SZ t-shirt, an Mostro <laughs> Mostro t-shirt. Um, and he wrote to us and said he'd never driven one, and and could we arrange oh, for him wow. to drive one for, for a show? So he did a, he did a feature on podcast microphones, and and his his the whole setup for the thing was that he was doing a podcast about the SZ. Brilliant! It was it was the most contrived. <laughs> but it was so much fun, and the look on his face, I mean, oh. the look on look on the SZ owner's face when he when he gave him the keys and told him to go off, but. Oh, that's um, brilliant. He, he did seem to enjoy himself. I love it. Well, there's nothing like a bit of, you know, contriving to shoehorn <laughs> something into a TV show. I remember I was on Top Gear and a new Aston Martin had come out that Tiff was going to drive. And we thought, well, what can we put up against it? Has Jaguar done anything? No, not not lately. But, oh, what about a Jaguar jet fighter plane? So <laughs> I ended up having riding shotgun in a Jaguar jet fighter plane alongside Tiff Nadell in an Aston Martin, you know, do, doing a drag race on a on an airfield. So, <laughs> uh, And what was the sensible consumer advice? Was it to buy the Aston? Or oh, no, go just all out, get the Jag. <laughs> totally. So at, at that point, I, I was 25 years old and I remember thinking, gosh, maybe I'm going to switch careers. Maybe... I, I want I need to be a jet fighter pilot. So I inquired afterwards and they said you have to be less than 25 years old to start. Oh, I was like, you're no. A year late. <laughs> but that was Brilliant. epic. Yeah. Proper 3D stuff. And I wore a G suit just to help keep all of my blood, you know, in the right places. So that was sort of like being squeezed at various points in my body as we pulled over, well, a lot of G. <laughs> 
during your time as a, a racing driver, you spent some time as an instructor, didn't you? How, how, did. how did you find that? Well, I was 17 years old and I'd been racing carts for five years and I had passed my driving test. And to earn some money, I thought, why don't I combine everything that I know, which obviously is not a lot. <laughs> and I applied to Silverstone to be a racing instructor. So I went for an assessment day and because I'd raced for five years, you know, my, my knowledge on track was great. And they obviously thought I could speak to people and, you know, give instruction and what have you. So I started as an instructor and I worked at weekends and in the school holiday whilst I was still doing my A-levels at school. And I worked with some great people that Richard Burns was an instructor there. Jason Plato was an instructor there. We just had an utter giggle. So I never went to university or college or anything like that. So I like to think that that was my, they were my university days when I went to Silverstone. <laughs> and it was, it was great fun. And I loved teaching people, particularly women, because they come into a car with no expectations, no inhibitions, nothing. They, they come in like a, a sponge and they so quickly improve because women are perhaps better listeners. <laughs> oh, sweeping statement. Um, but I, I really love doing that because the, the sheer joy on their faces when they got out of the car at the end because they had improved so much was, was wonderful. I love teaching men as well, don't get me wrong, but the women were particularly, you know, you, you had a guaranteed win-win result. So the, the other thing we talked about earlier, um, we talked about the W Series and the, the challenges of of women in motorsport and I, I guess that's that's a broader problem in the the car industry as well what do you think can be done about that because it is it, it isn't healthy for for any of us to have the, the degree of male domination that the industry has yeah i think you know in all areas of life it's, it's great to get a balance i definitely see things changing for example if you watch formula one you will see more women engineers more women mechanics more women you know on the on the pit wall Claire Williams ran a team so I, I think that just seeing people just connecting visually will definitely help and and go and, and make an impact on children who are watching I've got a 10 year old daughter and I recently interviewed a, a woman engineer on a podcast that I do and my daughter was absolutely captivated just hearing voices hearing female voices or seeing is, is you know a great way to to get people engaged and also you know things like engineering or mechanics or running a team you, you don't need any special manly skills you know we we've got the brain power to to do it and that's the wonderful thing about the car industry is that you, it doesn't really matter what your background is or who you are there will be a job that will fit your your talents absolutely guarantee it so you've got a 10 year old is she nagging you for a cart yet <laughs> she does they, they have got a pedal cart, so mummy hasn't gone down the engine route yet. <laughs> how, would you, how would you feel about that? Oh, it's such a difficult one because she's 10 and just in two years time, she will be the same age as I was when I started racing. And that fills me with utter horror. And I cannot believe that my mum and dad actively encouraged <laughs> me to go and race you know with with 
just like an inch off the ground, if that, at 80 miles an hour. But I'm so glad they did. I'm so glad they did. But my mum said, you know, my mum always came along to the races, but she never watched. She'd sit in the karting van or she'd go and in the, you know, go have a coffee in the restaurant or something like that. But I, I don't I really, I just don't know because I like, when I race, I'm in control. I, I can weigh up all the potential implications of doing anything. When I'm a spectator, I have no control over that. My brother, my younger brother, who started racing after me, he he races. And when I go to watch him race, I think that's obviously the closest thing I'm ever going to get at the minute of watching, you know, a, one of my children race. And it's horrific. <laughs> it's really your heart is in your mouth all the time. Whereas if I'm in the car, as soon as the you know, as soon as I'm starting racing, that's it. I'm in the moment. You you you're focused on that. And so. it is getting harder as well. I think it's um, you know, twelve is almost the time that you start to think about retiring from karting yeah. and going single seaters now. <laughs> exactly, or Janetta Juniors <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, and I think someone someone was saying it's something like the the average driver that gets to I think it was Formula Two has spent four and a half million since the start of their karting career. I mean, yeah. not their own money typically. Yeah. Some of them are. Um, yeah. But it, it it has got. I mean, Lewis made the the comment about it being a billionaire's boys' club, but he wasn't. Mm, yeah, I when I raced carts, so this was in the eighties. It really was dad and lad, or you know, in my case, you know, girl and mum and dad, and we all were in the back of a van that we'd driven there. You know, we maintained the carts ourselves. I went back for a fifth gear item to. Um, a karting event maybe five years ago now and wowzer we found one dad and lad one and they were in a lovely Winnebago you know <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is part of a team like a miniature Formula One team you know with sort of they've got five or six drivers in one team absolutely astonishing it blew my mind and it made me a little bit sad and very very nostalgic for for my my youth i mean i guess there's there's a there would be ways of doing that where it helped people with with limited budgets if if it was kind of the team finding the sponsorship and and cross subsidizing but my suspicion is that the teams are, are relying on drivers to bring budgets with them yeah in my experience no team has ever come and said vicky come and come and have a race with us we're going to help you know we're going to fund you 90 percent of your of your budget no it, they teams have got a business to run obviously yeah. so that you know that you you have to go with money to to ask them to run you, you you've not owned one if you could own one then anything that you'd really really like to have in the garage and I, I would have the Alpha 8C. I just think it's beautiful. It is. It's a lot prettier than the Maserati that's oh. underneath it. Yeah, that's the one that I would have. Was it a, a, a hard top or a spider you drove? See, that's the thing. What what would I what would I have? I might go for the hard top. I just yeah, just the yeah, I think that's what that's what I would do. Oh no, okay. no, I might have to no, I might, I might have to <laughs> Because then I'd be able to hear the noise a bit better, wouldn't I? With the roof yeah. down. So that's that's another one of my um, <laughs> one of my strange purchasing days. Oh yeah. Um, after I'd 
traded in the the one four seven GTA got traded in for a sport wagon eventually because uh, that's, that's, what should, that's what I should have bought in the first yeah. place. And then when the, when the kids got to the point where they either weren't riding anymore or had their own cars to drive themselves around, um, I decided that I didn't need a practical car anymore. So I decided I was going to buy a, a V six Brera Pro, Pro Drive Brera. Lovely. And I went down to the dealership and and I test drove one and loved it and uh, couldn't quite bring myself to to buy something that wasn't practical, having had sport wagons for years. So I, I decided I'd go away and think about it. And I, I, I literally, the following day I was on the, in a meeting in London, I came out of the tube station and I phoned the dealership up and said, I've decided I'll have that Brera. And he said, ah, he said, we sold it yesterday afternoon. Wow. No. Oh. He said, we've still got the spider that was parked next to it. I said, I don't really want the convertible. It's a bit of a, you know, old men in convertibles is a bit sad, and and <laughs> my my wife would kill me. He said, "I'll go on drive it." So I I went back when I got back from London, and um, and test drove it and bought it straight away. And I phoned my wife <laughs> up and I said, "That Brera I was going to buy, um, I bought a V six Spider instead." And she said, "Oh, I always thought you were going to buy a Spider. I, I, much better option well, than the Brera." <laughs> perfect ending, brilliant. Yeah. So. Oh, great stuff! Good. So, didn't Perfect. get it in the neck when you got home. I did. The contrary. No. no, she's she's still a fan as well. We've talked about the YouTube channel, which is live now, and the upcoming return of Fifth Gear. Is there anything else our listeners can see you in at the moment? Well, in a couple of months' time, I am doing a season two of the car years so this will be on ITV4 and this is a gorgeous gorgeous show where I compete if you like with a guy called Alex Riley who does some presenting for the one show and he and I pick a car from one year and we champion it our, our own cars and we tell all the lovely stories about how that car came into being we've got some beautiful uh, sort of heritage films and then and we dress up as well in in period costume which i thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> um and we we then sort of come together and some judges then make the final decision as to which car they think is best for that specific year so that's the car years on itv4 and i've loved filming it we filmed it in northern ireland and that will be out very soon can you tell us any of the cars or or just any of the years even yes well, 1948, I had a Citroen 2CV and Alex had a Range Rover. Um, I've had a Ferrari, the, the Magnum PI spec Ferrari 308. Ford Sierra RS Cosworth. Oh, yes, please. Whale tail against an M3 that Alex had. All sorts of lovely things. The 308 GTB rather than the GTS was really the car that got me interested in cars in the first place. I just oh. al always thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it was quite sobering when I got the 147 GTA, because on paper, the performance of the 147 GTA is almost exactly the same. It's about the same 0 to 60 time. Yeah. And about the same top end. Yeah. But Amazing, isn't it? Cars, supercars back then, compared to the power output of cars today, it is crazy because as well we when we look back at like the ferrari 308 you think gosh you know what a handful what a machine what a noise and then you get in it and it's like well yeah it's quite slow <laughs> <laughs> it's quite heavy but it's still lovely it's a very very pretty car yeah i think that's about all we have time for vicky it's been an absolute pleasure 
Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and, and everything. I really do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed making it. I think National Alpha Day is going to be an absolute blast. I had planned to include a plug for ticket sales at this point, but at the time of recording, we had less than 200 tickets still available with over a week to go. We're trying to increase our allocation, so do keep an eye on the website and the Facebook group. But on current numbers, we should have over 1,700 people and over 1,000 alphas. We'll be back on Sunday the 4th of July from 1.30pm with another roundtable discussion where we'll look back at the highlights of National Alpha Day. Episode 35 will be available from our website, from YouTube, from Podcast Addict and dozens of other podcast outlets. So until then, stay safe. <laughs>